Today, I have a real treat. It is my friend and mentor, Bob Goff. You may know him because he is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written books like Love Does, Everybody Always, Dream Big, and Undistracted. But beyond his writing career, which is actually how he and I first connected, this man is just a legend. I mean, he serves as the honorary consul to the Republic of Uganda. He is a lawyer by trade, but his true passion lies in making a difference. That's actually what led him to establish his nonprofit human rights organization, Love Does. And I can share that these facts are more than simply a bio. This man is the real deal. I've been honored to spend time with him and I'll never forget just how present he manages to be. Everything he talks about, he lives. Uh, little did I know the conversations that we had back then would lead to this episode. This podcast would actually not even be here if it wasn't for Bob's encouragement. So good news for you listeners. If you also want to have some life-changing conversations with Bob, he actually offers workshops still at his retreat center. You should definitely check those out. But today I want you to take a listen to this conversation. We recorded it actually a little while ago, but it's still just as relevant now as it was ever. We talk a lot about bravery and inspiration and, and kind of what makes Bob tick, but also what makes us as humans tick, right? So get ready to be inspired as we delve into this incredible world of Bob Goff and uncover the boundless possibilities that love and compassion can create. Welcome to Who Made You the Boss. All right. I am so thrilled to be here today with a friend and mentor of mine, Mr. Bob Goff. Hi, Bob. Hey there. Good to see you, Lizzie. You too. So I am just thinking back on how fortunate I was to actually meet you for the first time, which was in person at your retreat center in Southern California at the Oaks. And I think we were amongst the first people to get out there and actually experience it, right? With that writing retreat. It's really true. That was early on. It was pretty a uh, weird time for all of us. Uh, but yeah. I think uh, what happens is that those times, while they seem long at the moment, you get those in the rear view mirror. And if you went out to the Oaks today, you just see like nonstop people. And since Amazing. then we planted a vineyard and we have an equestrian center and I've got 30 cows and I love it. I love it. You're not getting an hourly report on whether or not we have to wear a mask, which I think was like the thing that was happening in April of 21 when we met up. It was like, are we going to make it? Are we not? That was a little (laughs) creepy. (laughs) It is. I mean, I can't believe that though. That was just barely over a year and a half ago. Crazy. But you get things that are really big in your moment, even for somebody listening now, they might have something really big in your life right now that's taking up all the oxygen in the room. But then when you get that thing in the rearview mirror a little bit, And then all of a sudden you just see the bigger picture of what was happening. It was hard at the time that we had this big idea, let's get a retreat center and have everybody get better and all that at whatever they needed to get better at. Uh, And then you have a couple setbacks and you go like, oh, wow, what's the heck? Uh, But then, gosh, within just moments, it seems like now we're way on the other side of that booked up for a year. Beautiful. I love to hear it. Well, and and we're going to be talking some about the rear view mirror today because I want to hear more about your story, what's gotten you to where you are. And um, actually, even like the inspiration behind the name of this podcast, right? Who made you the boss, which is this idea that when we step into a leadership role, when we start realizing we we have the ability to make an impact and to influence, um, sometimes that imposter syndrome kind of creeps in and we start thinking like, oh, who am I to do this? And, And so I want to hear more about what point you realized, you looked in the mirror and you said, 
I can make an impact. I can do this. I, I want to step up as a leader. Can you tell us a little bit more about that journey? Yeah, like uh, I'm not the most capable guy in the world, but I could be the most capable person or available person in the room. Uh, mm -hmm. And so for a lot of us, we think of what are we like capable of? Like, what are we able to do? And I'm able to be a lawyer. Uh, and that has some neat things about it. But I don't feel like I'm called to be a lawyer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, that you yeah. just say, like, I just don't feel that sense of calling towards that. But I feel like that there's a capability I have. I hope for people as they're thinking about leadership and that idea of the imposter syndrome uh, comes in, just I would call it out. Who do you think you're acting like? Like, who are you mm -hmm. trying to be like your parents? Are you trying to be like somebody else? And if you actually put that into the microscope a little bit to say, I would make a lousy version of them, probably as bad as they would make a lousy version of me. Uh, but right. to just say, I'm the person that's uh, capable enough I'm certainly available enough. I'm going to do it. An interesting thing uh, when we were starting a couple of these things, there's a lot of people that want to be in charge and fewer people that want to be responsible. And so mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. ways, I found myself just saying, I'm the person that's going to be responsible for, uh, you know, a nonprofit. And, uh, and so with responsibility came getting some skin in the game. So when we didn't have, gosh, I think we we're spending... 30,000 a month to keep all these different schools that we have open and we have total donors of nobody. So that meant <laughs> like I was, and I didn't have, we weren't sitting on bags of money at our house instead of furniture. Um, and so I just started borrowing money against the house, 30,000 a month. a month. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm the guy that's responsible. Yeah. I thought this isn't viable. Like I was yeah. a pretty good lawyer, but I wasn't that good. And so I thought, well, what is a way to like kind of tweak this thing so it can actually be viable? And that is really where most business owners live. People that are, mm -hmm. if they don't get uh, distracted by like, I'm an imposter or who I am, I just, let's get down to the hard work of doing the next thing, yeah. realizing that you might be the person that's responsible for it. And so what I'm going to do is my next courageous step. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I feel like that that takes the ego out of it and just kind of makes you the vessel for delivering whatever it is you feel uniquely equipped to do. To your point, yeah. it's not being a lawyer. It's there's something else deeper within you that you're bringing to the table that you're called to. Uh, and so taking the all the little mind games out that, that come with that. I think also reminding yourself why you started this thing. Like you could think in your marriage, like, why did we start this thing when mm -hmm. we were first touching knees and we thought like, maybe we'd have a family or... Just remember like why you started and uh, write that down. If you're starting a small business or a big relationship or whatever, just write down why you're doing what you're doing mm -hmm. and make that mm -hmm. just something you return to. Uh, and that might change over time. You might have a different reason why you're doing what you're doing, but I want to keep current with that. I don't want to be doing things because I had a reason. Like somebody told me when I was 16, I was supposed to be a dentist. And so now you're 40 and you're a dentist and you say like, why am I doing that? If you blow the foam off the top, it's because somebody told a 16-year-old version of you that would be a dentist. You go like, I don't like teeth. I'd say quit. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I think you've moved on. Quitting's uh, kind of your thing though, right? Like you're very, every very adept at it. <laughs> yeah, just, I am resolute. Just say quit. Yeah. You could quit cussing if you want, but I'd go a little higher up on the tree and say, what's something that would actually matter more than just what I said? Um, what if you tried to 
tap the brakes on being impatient, um, mm -hmm. that you're in a big hurry about everything. And so then think of really practical things you can do to help get there. I bought a 71 Volkswagen. It's not like some showroom car. It's just a thrashed old Volkswagen. And it'll go about 40 downhill with the wind behind you. And uh, that was a great way for me to slow down because uh, yeah. it literally didn't yeah. have 45 in it. Um, and so instead of being in a big hurry to get everywhere, I just chill out a little bit because the car don't have hurry in it. Right. <laughs> Sounds like something they say yourself. down in the South. I don't have hurry. In I don't. It. Yeah. But, uh, but you can think of some little life hacks that might help be the reminders, a three by five card about why you started yeah. this or an awfully slow car um, uh, for gosh, maybe a decade or so. Maria and I, uh, shared a car and we weren't trying to go green. Mm -hmm. Uh, we weren't trying to make a statement, but we were just trying to spend more time together. And that's a great way to spend more time together, just share a car because everybody will be hitching a ride with somebody somewhere. And just, we had kids that needed rides and all that, but it was, it wasn't because we couldn't afford it to sell. We just had a bigger overarching idea. And yeah. so maybe come up with those life hacks in your business, in your relationships. Um, instead of asking people, how are you? Maybe ask them just what does it feel like to be you? And let me lead by mm. telling you what it feels like to be me right now. And then mm. all of a sudden people go, oh, wow, she actually wants to have an authentic conversation. And she's yeah. actually interested in what it feels like to be me right now. Um, I love that. I like, well, and I, I love the idea too. I'd love to hear your your thoughts on this. When we talk about that bigger overarching theme, when you've got this why that you're dedicated to, and then you experience a setback, right? So on, on this podcast, we actually label these as the monsters that save us. So this idea comes from, there's that big, scary monster in your closet that you're just constantly terrified of. It's going to get you, it's going to get you. And then one day it does. And lo and behold, kind of like the story of Jonah and the Bible, the whale that swallows him, that takes him to the shores of where he's actually supposed to be, right? That was the monster that saved him. So I, I would love to hear more about a setback that you have had that actually kind of made you into who you are and what you do now. Oh, heck yeah. Gosh, that's a target-rich environment. Because most of the things <laughs> that I've done, people see from afar, they see the outcomes and they don't see mm -hmm. the setbacks just because I don't spend a lot of time talking about them. Uh, I had an idea years ago to have a house in Washington, D.C., where all these people that didn't get along could go. And so I bought this house. It came up for sale literally across the street from the United States Supreme Court. Is that crazy? So this house came up for sale and I bought it. We fixed it up. I didn't even tell Maria I bought it, but uh, I let her know. <laughs> we fixed it up to be a really neat place. And it was used by all these branches of government that weren't getting along with each other on Tuesdays. This group was there on Wednesdays, another group and Thursdays, another group. Uh, and it was conveniently located by two of the three branches. Uh, and it was, there was no name on the door. It wasn't like some covert thing. It was just a place where everybody could just chill out and get together. Mm -hmm. And I had somebody making sandwiches for people and, um, and then they changed the ethics rules or something. I didn't hang out there because I didn't want to know anybody. I just wanted them to get along so earth would be better. Um, and they changed some rules and nobody could come anymore because, uh, I don't know, maybe they had to pay for the sandwiches or something. I don't know what it was, but there was nobody there. Like, mm -hmm. well, that right at the time, all the real estate market crashed and I lost such a huge number <laughs> 
<laughs> I sold it. It was crazy what happened. And it was a great idea right up until it wasn't, right? Mm -hmm. The Titanic, mm -hmm. the first four days of that trip were awesome. Uh, but the fifth day, not so much. And many of us have that fifth day that we'll just yeah. have this thing and be like, and uh, sometimes there's just no debris floating. <laughs> there's nobody floating right. on a door saying, you know, I'll never let go. Um, but these bad things happen. And I think what they do is they either traumatize us permanently or they inform us for what we would do next. And so mm -hmm. I didn't feel traumatized. I felt informed. And I'd say, you know, note to self, uh, keep trying, but not in that way. Maybe there's yeah. a less, uh, more effective, less expensive way to try Absolutely. to do things. So what I want us to do isn't to like bail on the whole idea. Well, I'm out. Like God hates mm -hmm. me or, or say like, you know, uh, I'm not the person that should do that. It should be somebody else. I would say like, well, I'm not going to do it where it involves buying a super expensive house <laughs> to do it. What I can do is I'll find another way uh, to make friends and try to influence. Uh, one of the things thinking of influence is that what we try to do is control a lot of things. And I found that my biggest failures have been when I've tried to control it and my greatest successes are when I just tried to influence it. So if you try to control your kids, they will go in the opposite direction. If you try to influence the people that yeah. you love, then you've made, you have just more common ground, more things to think about. So I would do a quick little audit of what is it that I'm trying to control and what we try to do, if you're like me, is I try to control the things that I don't understand. Like, so mm, if there's yeah. somebody doing something nutty, I try to exert a lot of control over them uh, so that they will stop doing nutty things. But when I try to control them, they do even more nutty things uh, than right. they were doing before. But if I set my sights as I'm trying to influence a situation, I'm trying to influence an outcome, then I feel a little bit more that mirrors reality more because I can't control it. Uh, you think you can if you try to control it, what you do is you smother it or you like you wreck a relationship or you uh, have this role in somebody's life where now you're the hall monitor of their behaviors. And Absolutely. I just don't want to do that. Uh, but if I set my sights on influencing an outcome, then it's just a much better one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like for the first few years of my business, I was clinging so tightly to it. And, um, and it actually was one of those monsters that saved me, right? Like it was, it was COVID coming in and leveling it that forced my hands open and to see the beauty on the other side of that. Now that it's not suffocating under my control is exactly what you're describing. That's a perfect leadership lesson that we all should know. Escape to sun-drenched Riviera Nayarit and experience one and only Mandarina's extraordinary collection of expansive signature villas, Mexico's most exclusive retreats. Nestled high in the rainforest, these secluded hideaways are designed with larger groups in mind and can host up to 28 guests featuring four to 10 bedroom villas. The expansive villas combine the comforts of home with the pampering of a resort. Each villa is designed specifically to reflect its location, drawing the outdoors in via breathtaking views of the rolling green mountainsides fading into jungle canopies, or the unspoilt vistas of the crystal clear ocean meeting the horizon. For additional information or to book a reservation, contact reservations at oneandonlymandarina.com or reach out to your travel advisor. Don't have a travel advisor? You're in luck.
This episode is also brought to you by Jet Set World Travel. Visit jetsetworldtravel.com to connect with one of our experts and bring your trip to one and only Mandarina to life. Yeah, I'm not a big wine guy, even though I do own a vineyard <laughs> out of the Oaks. 50,000 bottles of wine each year. I'm just like a Dr. Pepper guy. But the red wines, what you need to do is let them breathe, evidently. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's better if they do. And so what yeah. did you just say, like in your relationships and your business relationships and the people, vendors, if you deal with them, friends, let them breathe a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Just let them find their own uh, equilibrium and it can come across is apathy, but it's actually strategy. And mm-hmm. to say, I have such a strong strategy of, uh, influence over control that I'll just pull it back a second where I'm not telling people what move to make next. I'll ask them, yeah. Hey, what, what's your next move? What are you going to do next? And it's not in a rhetorical, uh, like kind of condescending way, but to just say, like, like, I just assume that you bring a lot to the game and uh, I'd just be curious what your plan is. And if they say, we don't really have a plan, then I'd say, well, what if you come up with your best plan and then let me know what it is? Uh, how about mm-hmm. Wednesdays? That sound good for you? So you bring some structure to that, but that's yeah, not trying to yeah. control somebody, but you set up some beautiful guardrails, mm-hmm. which is don't screw around with it for the next month. I'm thinking this is a thing that's done in days, not weeks or weeks, not months. And mm-hmm. so you can set some kind of a hang a target and put a shot clock on it. And that some really beautiful things will come of that. I love that. I love that. It's interesting that you bring that up about the oaks and the the vineyard. I don't remember. Was I mean, I assume that was out there last year if you're already bottling no, that much. But was it not? No, How we, you, that's no. happened so fast. It was just when you were there, we were just putting the vines in. And that's so there's amazing. no green leafy stuff. And then in the uh, by the third year, you get really good grapes. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That is so cool. Congrats on that. Um, well, and I, you know what? I remember being out at the Oaks too. And I, I feel like it's a place that everyone should get at some point in their lives, like sitting under the Oak trees, what they're named for. And, um, and having a specific conversation with you about fear. And I mean, really... I was so intrigued by this idea. Your organization, Love Does, goes into war zones in order to promote education and promote healing. And um, you're usually on the front lines of that. You're not just sending people out there. You yourself are going into these war and these conflict zones and, and establishing the um, the organization and the relationships. And I'm just curious what that looks like for you. You know, I, I, There's gotta be a certain level of fear when you're going in there. But how do you overcome it? What's the pep talk that you're giving to yourself when you're doing that? Yeah, I remember uh, when I was learning, we live uh, for part of the year in a really remote location in Canada. And the only way in and out is on a seaplane. So I learned how to fly this old seaplane so we could get in and out. And the first thing they teach you is about situational awareness. You just need to Mm -hmm. know what's going on inside the cockpit. You need to know what's going on outside the cockpit. There was a terrible tragedy that Colby Bryant and a number of others were in, in a helicopter and that there's nothing wrong with the helicopter. He just got so distracted by what was going on outside the cockpit that he Mm -hmm. forgot what was going on inside the cockpit. And so if I could use that analogy to whether it's a tense board meeting that you're stepping into, or it's Afghanistan or Mogadishu, uh, it can emote the same things, like you're just feeling like danger close. Um, 
And to just say like, what I want to do, slow down, I want to be situationally aware. What's going on inside the cockpit? Just say, mm -hmm. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling like I'm the least capable person in the room. I'm feeling this big fear of failure. I feel. Let's just name it instead of having just a big general a feeling of distress and tension to say these are the four things that are going on uh, in some combination. Uh, and then just say, once we kind of name that, to say, okay, so this is my plan. This is a reality of the mm -hmm. circumstance that I'm actually loved by God. I'm loved by a couple of people that know me. And these truth be known are people in the room who are strangers to me. And I'm not mm -hmm. tying my worth to the success of the place in DC or the school or the whatever, but I'm going to fail trying. I'm not going to fail watching. Yeah. And so if you have kind of that drumbeat of say a fail trying, fail trying, fail trying, then when it fails, it's not a big surprise. I've had many like schools. Gosh, I built a hospital in Iraq and then, and a whole village for the Yazidi people that ISIS had traded out. Like, like thousands of these people had had to flee their homes and we built yeah. this really neat place and a hospital and all that. Then they all went home. <laughs> <laughs> which is which was actually how the story should end. But that's good. Everybody went yeah. home. Uh, but I now have an empty hospital and an empty village. <laughs> so I just had thought that went through. Now, most people would, but I was like, oh, rats. Like that didn't work out the way I was thinking. <laughs> um, but instead of saying like right now in real time, like how's that working? Uh, if uh, you'd gone on a first date with your husband and five minutes into the date, he said, how's it going? You used to be like, what? You mean like the date? He said like, yeah, yeah. He said like, I don't know, pretty good average, I guess. Uh, and then 10 <laughs> minutes later, he said, so how, how's it going now? Like after the third or fourth time he'd asked, you'd say like, this is actually our last date. Right. So what I want you to do is slow it down. And instead of these checkpoints to say, how's this big project am I doing? How am I doing in the room now? How am I doing? How am I doing? Like slow it down a little bit, chill out, get a puppy mm -hmm. if you need to. And just like, uh, like just give God a little bit more time to show to you what he already knows is the outcome. So I don't know the outcome of the hospital and the village and the whatever, but I'm not stressing about it today because uh, I'm just slowing it down. I'm just trying to say, what are things that I actually can influence? Because I can't influence mm. that right now, but I can influence something else. And if you just say, what are the things within the people, the circumstances that I could get some skin in the game and then do something about it? And see what will yeah. happen. I wrote to Kim Jong Un. Uh, I just I translated one of my books into Korean. I mailed it to mm -hmm. him, and uh, with a letter saying you want to meet. And uh, and I don't think he's going to say yes. But if he did, man, <laughs> I'm on the next plane. But it's not to take a selfie. It's that I don't want to just watch the news. I want to mm -hmm. engage the world. Like and so if there's people, I feel a heightened level of engagement by doing something instead of just sitting in the stands watching uh, this thing unfold. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. So, well, and that's what you use to overcome any sort of fear that's saying, what about failure or what about bodily harm or what about all the things that get in our heads and, and fear us out of it? Yeah, it's absolutely. A crazy thing. You, there's uh, 259 ways to make change for a dollar. Isn't that crazy? So most people are thinking like four quarters, 10 dimes, 20 nickels, but there's actually 200. I could win any trivial pursuit game. Bring it. Um, 
but so if you want to bring change to your company, if you want to bring change to your relationship, if you want to bring change to your life, I just find out another way to do it. And what hmm. we do is we just want to say, well, this is the way to do it. It's four quarters. And say, no, actually, there's more. And then it's more than just dimes and nickels, but there's or a, you know, or a bunch of pennies. But what we could do is actually say there's a new and novel way to bring about change. And mm -hmm. one of the best ways to do it is authenticity. To say mm -hmm. as the leader of your company, I, I have not experienced this before. My closest experience is this. So one thing that I've tried to carve a little groove in my brain to do is when people ask for, you for advice, I just say, uh, let me tell you my experience. Um, mm -hmm. And my experience might be I have no experience with that. The loss of a child, I've uh, not experienced yeah. that. Um, the loss of a mentor, I have experienced that. Um, yeah. And to say not that my experience is your experience, but I can just say what my experience with that is, or that I don't have an experience that's adjacent to that. That's just such a great little leadership hack. Um, uh, we're fixing, we've sailed across the ocean two times. I have no idea why I do it because I just hurl the whole way. It's good for 20 or 30 pounds off the waist. Uh, but um, we're fixing to do it again. And uh, there was a guy that told me like, oh yeah, you should sail this course and bring this and make sure you get one of these. And uh, I, we had a really long list of things. I said, are you a sailor? And he said, no, I've never left Ohio. <laughs> So he had all kinds of opinions. He just didn't have any experience. So yeah. that did make me think less of him, but it's actually a good way to vet some of the people you're talking to. Instead of telling people like, here's all my financial advice, just say, oh, what's your experience? And just yeah. say, oh, I've gone bankrupt three times. That's not a bad thing. Like hard things happen to people, but it would be good to understand that context. Or if somebody's giving you relationship advice to say, tell me your experience with like, tell me, mm -hmm. do you have a lot of friends from that you measure in decades or, um, you know, relationships are challenging. Maybe somebody's gone through the pain of a divorce or a separation, but it'd be good to know people's experience rather than just listen to their advice. That just gets you the, uh, the authentic side of people out of it. And I feel like that's what you're really, really good at is kind of like stripping back those layers and getting to the core of who someone is. And um, you actually even told me recently, it's, it was a great quote. I wrote it down. I've told people since that when we take away all that we're known for, what's left is, is who we are. And, and I've really been dwelling on that lately. And I think it's something that other leaders and business owners very much need to know because we oftentimes just define ourselves by our roles or by our, to your, even to your point, to your experience or whatever it is. But like at the core of this, I just am so curious what, what exactly that means for you. Like what, what does that mean for Bob Goff when you take away what you're known for, what's left is who you are? Yeah, if you uh, have this worldview that we're new creations, that each day God would bring a new version of us to the world, um, that uh, the old versions of me, like lawyer Bob, like he's on the bus. Like I just don't even think about lawyer stuff. Uh, but for gosh, 30 years, that was like what I did. Or then take author Bob. And so author Bob wrote books and did, or speaking, uh, like now I'm a grandpa. So I'm kind of tapping the brakes on all this running around, talking to people at places. Uh, and the idea of being the uh, kind of current with the most relevant and recent version of you would be a mm -hmm. really good way for you to think. So 
to strip away all the notions people have about you and to really understand that. Otherwise, you become this caricature of what everybody group thinks you are. So if everybody yeah. thinks you're that happy business person or or they identify you as the mom, like this yeah. is your role to say, what if we take away that? And, uh, uh, don't take away the kids, but like to just say, if I wasn't known for being a mom, what would I be known for? Um, yeah. And just, just and then pick some of those characteristics, maybe a focus less on career and more on character. Like I'd want to mm. be known as the person that's available. And so mm -hmm. a great way to do that is just like, I don't know, give everybody your phone number if you want. Or if you say, I want to be known as generous, um, you could be generous with your time. You could be generous with your resources. But to just instead of waiting for people to ask you, hey, I'm running a food drive or whatever, to say generosity is just who you are. That's your go-to. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't even need a prompting for somebody to do that. You know who you are. And so you live into who you are and you just start acting generously towards people. Your head's on a swivel looking for opportunities. So you've, you're finding so many opportunities. You don't even need somebody to ask you because you're already doing it. Um, yeah, That would yeah. be a great way to like live into this, the newest, most current version of you. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all the old versions of Bob are on the bus. I want to just say, and I just think that heaven is leaning over the rails. You want to dazzle the angels, go be the current humble version of you. Like find that, that humblest, most recent version of you, go be that. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get caught up with who you've been. Let that influence and propel you forward. I love it. Well, you, you are so known for, and you are so available. And I'm super appreciative of that. That has really meant the world to me and to so many. So thank you for making oh, yourself available man. today. That is the most selfish thing I've ever done getting to hang out with you. <laughs> like you did me. And you've got so many things to share with people. I'm just really glad you're using this format to let people know what you think and why you think it. And I hope people will feel interactive with that, that they'll Thank you. hear something that you're saying and then not just agree with you, but maybe like you modeled, like jot down a note or two. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. I super appreciate that. Thank you for your time today. Hey, great talking to you and be blessed. And for the people listening, I hope what you'll do is not just agree, but take something that maybe Lindsay said or that I've uh, said and that resonates with you and say, okay, what am I going to do about that? How do I make that actionable? And that's how you make progress. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. And I'll be dropping all the links to your books and everything. Is there one particular way or another that you want people to connect with you, follow you, seek you out? What does that look like for you these days? Oh, I'm an easy guy to find if you just look up Bob. <laughs> They're all that's there. what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Really, really appreciate you. And that, lovely listeners, brings us to the end of today's episode. We truly hope you enjoyed this deep dive into the world of leadership and professional development with Who Made You the Boss? If you've gained some valuable insights today, we would love to hear from you. Please take a moment, go to your favorite podcast platform, search for Who Made You the Boss, and leave us a five-star rating and review. That feedback helps us tremendously as we're creating content that resonates and empowers. Stay connected with us too by visiting lindsayepperly.com and there you can subscribe to our newsletter and ensure you never miss an episode or an exciting update. 
You can connect with me personally as well on Instagram and LinkedIn. And let's continue the conversation with ourselves and other like-minded individuals who are redefining what it means to be the boss of our own lives. So thank you listeners for being a part of this journey. And until next time, remember, you have the power to shape your destiny. So keep leading, keep learning, and most importantly, keeping the boss of your own incredible story. Thank you.